Hi, welcome to another episode of the Balance Sheet Breakdown, a Wilkin & Gutton Plan podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the impacts that we've seen with some of the changes to develop our responsibility within the Plan Disclosure Act of New Jersey, which really applies to associations specifically that are still under developer control. I'm Chris Frederick, a partner with the firm, and joining me today is Mohamed Saliani, one of the leading partners of our New Jersey CIRA practice. Mohamed, thanks for coming on this month. Thanks for having me, Chris. Absolutely. And so maybe before we start talking about the new regulations, I think maybe it's important a little bit about some of the old regulations, something obviously our firm has been doing work in the CIRA industry for you know 40 plus years. And so where has developer responsibility been? So the responsibilities of the developer in what's known as the Planned Real Estate Full Disclosure Act, or as some people know it as PREFTA, right? Previously, there was a phrase that was commonly used, which was known as benefits derived. Now, in these 40 years, or for myself, the 22 years that I've been working here, every time I've asked somebody, what does benefits derived mean? And I've pretty much always received a different answer. <laughs> right. there's, there's no definition. There's no one way to do it. There's no one way to do it. And in fact, the one phrase that comes to mind is that it was an art, not a science. Yeah. So that's pretty much what the developer would have to pay based on. And what it means is that the developer is getting a benefit while the association is being constructed and while they're selling their units. And so they got to pay for that benefit that they are getting. Uh, for those unsold units. So while all the other you know, units that are sold out are paying their standard maintenance assessments, they're saying, hey, the, the developer's getting the benefit of the snow clearing of the whatever it may be, the lawn care maintenance. And so there was a, a more nuanced calculation to identify exactly what the developer's portion of that was. Right, exactly. So to make it not complicated while the developer was in control, what the basic assumption was that Everybody else, as you said, is paying their maintenance fees, and there are what's known as fixed and variable costs, Okay. right? So fixed costs are costs that are incurred. It doesn't matter whether there's one unit sold or are, all the units are sold, right? Those could be insurance. It could be management fees. Like, right. as you said, snow clearing, if it's one building, yep. things like right. that. Right. If the roads right. are there, they're clearing it, whether the houses are built on the roads exactly. or not. Or... Exactly, right. So what the assumption is that was is that the developer would pay for any deficits that are incurred because those deficits are being incurred for the benefit that those units are getting and it's the fixed cost for those unsold units, right? Yeah. In the past, that's what the developer used to do, would pay that deficit. But also at the same time, you know, if somebody buys a unit from the developer and then that person uh, decides to not pay their maintenance fees, that would not be the developer's responsibility, right? Because non-paying of the fees, it's not up that's to them. Not a, that's not a benefit to developer. Exactly, exactly. So uh, delinquencies was not something that was allowed for, right? Um, and usually there would be a budget that's done known as the public offering statement, which is what goes out to potential buyers. Yep. And normally that is the budget that they would follow throughout the process. For, for the whole thing. If it's for the five whole years thing. to develop there, hey, we're going to rely on the budget we made seven years ago, right? Because right. you do that public offering statement before you, you know, knock the first tree down, you know, put the first shovel in the ground. Exactly, so yeah. Sometimes they would just follow that budget, yep. right? As you know, you got to put money aside for repairing and replacement of the common areas that the association controls, yep. right? Right. And then there would be funding of that. 
And uh, the assumption was that at that time, during developer control, they would follow the, what's known as the full funding method, which means that you fund everything uh, from zero onwards, right? Right, right. In, in practice, we don't see many legacy associations using that methodology, right? That there really are a number of ex truly acceptable methodologies for funding that replacement study, but um, the developers were stuck with what's typically the most expensive. Right, exactly, at, at that time. There is, what's most common now is known as threshold. Funding. Okay. But that's a whole different conversation. Right, right, <laughs> for a different day. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> And then one more thing was the utilization of working capital. So there was no real guideline as to what working capital. Working capital is what somebody will pay in to become a member of that association. It's a non-refundable okay. fee yep. that's paid in to the association. And sometimes some developers would put into these governing documents that they could use it for whatever, and they could use it to offset these deficits, right? The understanding came about that, you know, somebody needs to look at these rules. Yeah, yeah. right, right. It just, just to level the playing field, and you know, and the old rules sounds like there was a lot of ambiguity. Exactly. That, that, it, that it was, Hey, right. This is how we've done it forever, yeah. right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. This is how it was done. And conversation with benefits derived, it sounds as though it was uh, a real negotiated back and forth as opposed to, hey, no, this is, the standard says X. This Absolutely. Is how it, this is how it should be done. Absolutely. There was, what would happen is that once the association went from developer control to unit owner control, they would go through what's known as transition. And as part of transition, they would do these transition audits or transition agreed upon procedure reports. Okay. And then that became, as you said, part of that negotiation that happened. And for some of these associations that take years to build, when we, when we talk about you know, funding replacement funds, if it takes five or seven years to build, all of a sudden, right, the roof of the clubhouse is five, seven years old. How much of the useful life? What's the cost of replacement? And so exactly. it, it be, really yeah. is a, yeah, a it, process. It is, a, it is a, a huge process. So the Builders Association and then CAI Community Association Institute, okay. the New Jersey chapter, it's a national organization. Okay. The New Jersey chapter, they kind of uh, got together and they said, we need to overall these rules so yeah. so it makes the process easier and we need to come up with something that right. both can right. agree F on. fair to me as the as the what will be the go forward condo owner and fair to you as the developer right let's just get rid of the ambiguity these are the rules and regulations we can agree in that they're kind of split down the middle right as opposed to every association having to go through that conversation right so that's what the plan was yes so and yeah. so 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 when 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 is this effective for so this has been effective now since July 2021. Okay. Yeah, so they went through this whole process uh, with uh, what's known as the DCA, the Department of Community Affairs. Okay. Yeah, they had a, both sides uh, worked extremely hard. Within uh, CAI, there is what's known as the uh, Legislative Action Committee, the okay. LAC, and the LAC and members of the LAC, which a lot of them are attorneys, put in a lot of hours to come up with this. And then they had these discussions with the DCA and they went through the rules and everything. And so finally in July, these rules were put into effect. So July, 2021, what effect if any does that have on the legacy projects that are halfway through development at that point? So it would not affect anything that's already been registered. 
Okay. So this went into effect for any new projects that are going to be registered after, after July, July 2021. Okay. So, you know, after July 21, I would imagine now is about the first time where we're seeing some of these budgets come back through some of the newer associations that are being audited that apply with the new standard. Yes, absolutely. In fact, the 2022 audit season was the first time we actually saw a couple of these okay. associations that now were registered after July 21 and have had a few sales uh, before December 31st, 2022. Right, because right. If, you know, th thinking about a timeline, if, if I'm gonna register a project, if I do it the second day, July 2nd, 2021, it's gonna take me six months to put in the roads and build that first house till I sell it. Exactly, That, yes. that 2022, yeah. we're seeing some of our first sales. So while this is maybe not a brand new rule, right, we're, you know, we're, we're a couple years into the rule, we're now really seeing the results of these changes put into practice. Right, yeah. And then as with everything, you know, sometimes you may sit down and talk about it theoretically and go through all the rules. Right. But then once the time comes to really implement it, that's when you realize, okay, some of these things, when you're going in to implement them, may be a little tougher. Right. You know, it's, there's it's some not as practical areas. as we thought on exactly, paper. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. What's happened is that uh, after the rule went into effect and now we were seeing, you know, when the developers had to figure out now what is it that I we need to pay, yep. uh, they came up with situations where, okay, this might not be as clear. Um, and so uh, a lot of these attorneys and uh, working with the DCA, again, they've come up with some adjustments. These clarifications are kind of in the process right now okay. of, of being uh, added to the, the act itself. Yep. Right. Uh, but uh, in theory, they have been accepted by the DCA to say that, OK, we would accept working with these. Right. Right. You know, right. Clarification. Right. We, we appreciate the clarification. We understand that that's the that was the spirit and the intent of the, of the regulation. And right. Exactly. Uh, the direction we're going. So. So, Mohammed, I, I think there was about, you know, five or six maybe specific areas that, that you mentioned. Uh, the biggest one being benefits derived. Right? right. So these new associations are not using benefits derived. What sponsors new obligation based off of? Okay. So, and this is also where some of the ambiguity came up, yep. is that they are responsible for declared units, okay. right? And so now sometimes in an association, uh, you may have registered all the units, right? And they're under the new regulations, they're supposed to pay maintenance fees like everybody else on those registered units, okay. right? So, but if you have them pay for all the registered units, then that's unfair, right? Right. There's, there's phase two and phase three that they might have registered that, that the roads aren't even Exactly, for. exactly. So what now, maybe if a unit has a permit, right? Okay. So now if a unit has a permit, now you know that they are almost at the point where they're breaking ground, right? Right, right. right. Yep. So now there's basic infrastructure that's in there, right? right? Now that, but that's for uh, condo associations that May, are not in just one building or even homeowner associations yep. that are uh, uh, attached to each other or maybe single family right. homes, possibly things yep. like that. Um, and then with a high rise building, then they're talking about, that's where they're talking about having them pay fees, but having them uh, pay fees on what's only the fixed costs. Okay. Right? Yep. Because you don't want them to be paying variable costs when they're not incurring those right. variable right. costs. Right? So that's where the changes are taking place. The other thing, and we talked about this, the budget. That of once, years before, you, you break ground in a POS. Right. So now what they're talking about is that you have one budget that's in the public offering statement that has been looked at and signed off and, and gone through the attestation procedures with uh, a CPA firm. Yep. But 
every year now, the developer with the managing agent comes up with an annual budget. So, so which which is what all of our operating associations have done forever, right? Right, right. exactly. It, it, yeah, they it, do an annual budget it, every yeah. year. And in that annual budget, now the developer will estimate how many units they're expecting okay. to sell. Because the, the POS budget always just had, hey, when this is finally fully done and fully, it could fully have had, built yeah. out or... Or maybe it's you know phased in to exactly. 25, 50, 75 percent. Yeah. But till you get to those points, yeah, it's costs same, could be exactly. double, triple from what what we thought they would be when they when they put the, the public offering statement together. Exactly. Now yeah. There's an annual reevaluation. Yeah. So now every year at the beginning of the year, developer okay. um, and management will come together and, and and say, okay, this is how many units we estimate to sell during the year. Yep. And based on that, the developer then pays maintenance fees. Monthly, on those like, monthly, and he has to like pay. Anybody else. He or she, they have to pay like everybody exactly, okay. like everybody else. If if they're paying like everybody else, what happens um, when when there is a deficit, right? And under the old regulations, nine out of ten, the sponsor was expected to right. fully fund that exactly. Deficit. So now they there is a responsibility of the of the developer to pay deficits, but now you kind of you will analyze that deficit, okay. right? And you look into it and say, okay, is this something that was not under the control of anybody, right? Yep. Like, for example, snow. As we know, New Jersey's right. it, it, uh, snow removal costs are a crapshoot. Yeah, it could it be, could be yep. what, one six year. Six inches or six feet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like this last season, we didn't have, have much. Hardly right? any, yeah. Right. So if there is a deficit incurred by snow, now what they'll do is they'll go back to everybody. Okay. The developer and the unit owners, and they will all pay their proportionate share of that deficit. It sounds like that's the whole theme of, of these changes. It's about equality, right? Exactly. Making sure that the right people are paying for their obligation. Right. As opposed to it being all, all one or the other, right? Exactly. And, and I think another one you mentioned is working capital, where maybe in the past some sponsors may have been a little bit more liberal right. taking advantage of that. Exactly. What's, so what's, what's maybe the new expectation with working so capital? So the new expectation is that it cannot be used to fund deficits uh, in the normal course of business okay. or to reduce the developer's responsibility, Okay. right? Working capital can be used for uh, one-off expenses. Like, for example, if an association has a clubhouse and they want to put in, and the unit owners who live there, they want to put in something that's not part of the original plan, then they say, okay, we'll use yep. working, working capital, capital to do this because right. it's not our responsibility. Right. You want this, we'll put it in for right. you, we'll use working capital. Right. And if they so choose, they could use it for deficits that are not under the developer's control. Right, right? right. like that's no exit. Ex We're, we all contributed to working capital, we're gonna use our portion right. of our funds. Ex exactly, it could be done, yep. right? Okay. Um, one of the other things that, that is different that we talked about uh, earlier is you know the delinquencies, yep. right? So now the understanding is that delinquencies are part of life. Right. right, they're not zero. <laughs> they're not zero. Then it's yeah. You're always going to have some people out there who just for some reason cannot yeah. or are not paying their maintenance yep. fees. So now under the new rules, the new the annual budget is required to have a three percent delinquency line item in there. Okay. Yeah, and that three percent delinquency line item is being charged to everybody. The unit owners and, and the, the developer yep. and the sponsor. Yes, exactly. I think to say that that this again is a, a, a more true real life approach to the to the calculation to the situation. To say, hey, you know, sponsor, we're not going to let you think that this is going that every single person is going to pay every single nickel of maintenance assessments we expect. We don't see it in real life with many other 
operating associations. And then the other side of it is, hey, if, if you're a unit owner in this association, this is part of HOA living, right? That there are some, unfortunately, exactly. some, some yes. delinquencies. And so it's not the sponsor's obligation because when the sponsor's out, you're still going to have these delinquencies. Right. This is just yeah, exactly. a cost of doing business. Yeah, it's a cost of doing business. So in the past also, you know, it shouldn't be saddled only on the unit owners yep. because the developer said, hey, you right, know, it's right. not. You didn't pay. Exactly. Yeah. That's not my responsibility. But as you said, it's a cost of doing business. Yep. So and because of that, it's everybody's responsibility. Right. right. And, you know, this is it's interesting that when people buy into an association uh, for the first time, sometimes they don't realize what are these responsibilities of yep. being part of an association. Right. You're not a single unit owner. You're like how you used to be when you just right. owned your own right. home. It, it's. Now you're part you're, of a you're, community. You're part of a group. Yeah, part of a group. Yeah. You're part of a community. And if some of you are not paying, then the rest of you yep. have to lift that burden. Right. right? It just comes with it's, the territory. It's, it's one of the maybe downsides exactly. um, for, for having access to that way living. Right, exactly. So and then so the developer also needs to pay their share for this cost of doing business, yep. right? Yep. Exactly. So then so now they've added this three percent in there and then if it goes above 3%, then it's considered not the developer's responsibility. Right, right, but right. until that point in time, it's in there. It's part of that right. budget. And, as and well. I mean, right. And, and the association always has remedial courses of action for, for folks who are delinquent, right? It's not as though right. people can just stay delinquent forever. No, no, no. They, they you do. Know, you know, I mean, you incur legal costs. You have your attorneys yeah. trying to yep. go after them, and then they file liens and right. there, on them. There are some course of actions. There for, are courses you know, for, of actions. For the, for the folks who are worse yeah. than average. Yes, <laughs> that's also part of the change. And then the other thing is that, as we mentioned previously, there was you know the reserve funding or the yep. replacement funding. Full funding. Full funding. Was. Now, and as I mentioned, there is a different form of funding called threshold funding. So it is now m more acceptable to have that threshold funding done. Um, and also have the study done on a regular basis, have it updated, okay. right? So yep. it needs to be updated and you can use threshold funding because um, you know, if you're funding each item individually, you're never going to replace them all, all together at once, at once yeah. right? So you're going to have this pool of money that'll just sit there, yep. right? And it's a very, very conservative way of funding, full funding. Right, 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 right. Of the three, right, that's that's the most conservative, right. most expensive. What you're describing is kind of the middle of the road, a practical threshold, approach. Yes. Threshold, So basically funding. what it is, and giving you a 30-second uh, synopsis, is that what you're doing is that you're looking at the future cash flow, the 30-year cash flow, and you're looking at the dips and the, and the peaks of okay. your cash yep. flow, and you're saying, okay, where the dip is the lowest dip. We're going to take that and bring it to a predetermined threshold. Okay. And then say it's not yep. going to go below that. We're not expecting it. Right. You're, so you're still keeping a buffer. Right. You're, you're almost budgeting the dip. Exactly. Say, hey, you're budgeting you know, the dip. I, I want to make sure that if, if there's an emergency, the roofs need to be replaced sooner than we thought. Right. We're not at zero. Right. right. That, that we have that buffer that we can, exactly. we can, we can react from. Right. Yeah, so so now that threshold is a very acceptable yeah. method of funding. Yep. Of course, you have to make sure that you're updating that reserve. I, I think similarly to how maybe budgets used to have been done, they they lived in the in the public offering statement. That's how replacement studies used to be as well. Hey, they lived in the, exactly. in the public offering statement. Right. But, you know, if if you're five or seven years in and and you know 
developers are finishing phase two, going to phase three. Yeah. The costs are materially different. And exactly. honestly, the remaining useful life may be materially different exactly. than that seven-year-old study. Right, you right. Know, so, so keeping that updated is, is required. So yep. the standard now is that every three to five years okay. have it updated, right? Yeah. And so we even tell that to our to associations that right, are so, past their de right. uh, developer control and, tra and transition. Right, yes. how, how important it is to have this stuff. Because it's all about having good quality information to make, to make yeah. reasonable financial decisions from and so exactly um, exactly why would you not you know you would expect the, the association starting out to have the same access to that information exactly you know, the same way that the legacy ones that that the recommendations made to them absolutely yeah so that's extremely important yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean so Mohammed it, it sounds like really the way that the developer responsibilities are determined really was totally flipped uh, mm -hmm. you know that it, that it really is a, a more equitable calculation and it, it's not just a one side take all and so I imagine with this, we haven't seen any associations transition out of developer responsibility. Not yet, but, no. Right, but, but the hope is that, that this is going to ease some of, that, some of that burden, some of that Absolutely, conversation. Right. And then, but as we said, you know, with everything, as you work through it practically, then you're going to find right, well, things that we, we might need to tweak. Right. right? We'll, we'll see how the first couple go through. And exactly. just like we had, you know, the discussion of what's, a, what's considered a unit. Right. I'm sure there's going to be similar conversations. My biggest takeaway, it sounds as though the associations and the sponsors are having these conversations more frequently, right? We're doing budgets more often. We're, we're really evaluating what annual deficits look like, that it's, that it's not just, a, oh, hey, we'll wait and see and true up. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because some cases we've had uh, situations where in the past developers had said, okay, we'll just deal or with we'll all deal this with at transition yeah. because we don't want to give money now. Right. We'll give it at that time. Yep. But, you know, it's detrimental to the association because, first of all, they don't have the money. Right. Uh, th some of them might actually be facing cash flow issues, yeah. right? Uh, because of that. And then when the time comes, now they need that money to do those repairs yep. and the money is not there. And also associations have cash and when they're collecting it, when they're supposed to collect it, they can invest it and right. earn back some investment income to offset some of right. that inflation, right. It's, right? It's not fair for the association to fund what, what used to be the developer's responsibility. Right. Now they're saying, no, no, every year we're going to look at the deficit exactly. and, and we'll assess if we need to. Every year we're going to assess and fund the placement fund the way that, that we all agree to from day one and make assessments to make sure that that's where it needs to be and right. uh, uh, as opposed to waiting. Yeah, there was one more thing that we actually didn't touch on that I do want yeah, to touch please, on. Yeah, please, please. Is that, you know, we talked about deficits, but yep. there is the flip side as well. All right, if it's a good year, right, like this exactly. year there was no snow and, exactly. and you have a surplus. Right, so if you have a surplus, now you've had the developer and the unit owners all pay maintenance fees in, yep. right? And so on the flip side, if there's a surplus, you know, that money could go back to the people who paid it, yep. right? Okay. The new regulations said that the unit owners can make that decision, but sometimes it's hard to get unit owners to make that decision. So one of the areas that uh, was a little gray was that, is it possible to have the board, right? Make okay. that decision, yep. right? And so uh, it, it seems like it's possible that that's where they are going okay. to have the board make that decision yep. with the, and then take that surplus and give it back. And when you're saying giving back, not only giving back to the unit owners, but also but, the developer. Right, everybody, same same thing. We're talking exactly. about, about everyone's fair share and, exactly. and, and equality. Everybody gets their, 
their right. refund. Yes, exactly. So that's, you know, we're still seeing how this is going to play through, yep. you know, as, as time goes by and they'll figure out whether this is possible or not and, and what whose responsibilities are. Because, you know, one of the things you have to think about is that some people buy and sell very quickly. Right, right, right. right? Then, then who, gets, who gets the money back exactly. if, if I bought or flipped? Or if I'm if I'm the sponsor and I've I've sold twelve units throughout the year, how do you right you know, exactly. identify what so what, they, what, they, my, what my share is? Right, exactly. So that is one gray area that we yep. still kind of have to yep. deal with. So, uh, but um, as you said, right, we're still in the beginning. Right, right. We, right we, we've just seen the first year, a, a, which was a partial year for most, and exactly. so yeah, um, certainly something to, to keep an eye on. Yes, yeah. So as we go through maybe the next audit season yep. uh, in the beginning of 2024, we'll probably have to deal with some other issues. Right, right. We'll, we'll, you know, right. Maybe we'll see some surpluses. Maybe we'll see some deficits. It's certainly an evolving process. Absolutely. So, you know, I think this brings us to the end of another episode of the Balance Sheet Breakdown. I'm Chris Frederick, helping you make sense of the numbers.